1: I'm Rosie Baker, I'm the editor of Ad News, and I'm here with Rachel Michalek. And we've got joining us this morning Jules Hall, founder of The Hallway, and Gabriella Conlon, head of consumer marketing at Google. You come from obviously a digital background at Google, um, and Jules you're from the kind of creative side, but how do the two things mesh? And what do you kind of see as the the most important things that you're seeing on a daily basis that are changing how you work in creative?
2: You launched us off with a huge question. Yeah, if you could yeah. just answer that in, a, in, a, 60 in a, quick, <laughs> a 60 second nugget.
3: I guess I think um, digital is such an exciting playground um, in the advertising space. And I guess it's because we, we think a lot of Google about um, building truly digital ideas where um, digital is actually at the heart of the creative idea. And it's not it's sort of an analog idea kind of put on a digital channel, but it's actually something that you could only create um, in, in a digital space. Yeah. It's one of those things that's that's very easy to say,
1: like building a digital idea, but I think that it's, it's been sort of talked about for a long time. Digital itself isn't new, but it's, it's only kind of probably recently, in the last maybe couple of years, that those ideas really have... Begun to be designed for digital and not just tapped on.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. So I was we were, we were chatting earlier, and I first moved into digital in 2000. So that gives you a clue as to how old I am. <laughs> and when I, I started um, working in this agency, we didn't the term dig, digital didn't exist. So I worked at, I think we called it internet marketing something, blah, blah, blah. But it's been really interesting watching how digital has evolved over that time. And it's gone from being something no one understood, didn't even have a name for it, to it got a name, it became digital. It was very much the sort of second fiddle to everything else, to where we are now. where The word digital is sort of out of date in the way, in my mm-hmm. mind, because... Everything is digital, and the reason everything is digital is because you can do such cool, interesting, immersive, engaging stuff in the digital environment today. And you can underpin it with really good data. And this is something that we talk about a huge amount in the agency now, and we've changed a lot of things because of this. Data is the most potent springboard for creativity. And it used to be a daggy, dorky, weird thing that you know certain people were interested in and most weren't to something that the people that are really innovating are going, this is where it's at. Data is where it's at. Data is what drives digital. And digital, you can now do such interesting things from a brand and communication perspective.
1: Because there's still that old debate that, we, you know, you talk about art versus science in marketing and mm-hmm. advertising all the time. And it kind of, it used to very much be a kind of clash of those two things. And more and more, it's kind of how they, how they interweave. But there's still... It's still um, it's still difficult to kind of get the two to marry up sometimes because yeah. they're because mm. they're such different disciplines. They sit together so well, but an old school kind of creative doesn't talk the same language as a yeah. as a kind of data head yeah. or you know a data marketer. So how do you guys kind of figure that out? If you're talking about what you've kind of changed in the agency and how you you know how you work differently, how how do you bring them
3: together? Well, cool. I think one thing is is just about actually. Kind of communicating and agreeing um, where you see the biggest opportunity and prioritizing that area, and it's because we kind of both know that we value what's possible through mobile, and um, and so we therefore prioritize it in discussion and you know in creative presentations, and then ultimately in budget. You know, at the end of the day, we we spend more of our budget um, on mobile, so that that shows you where where, where we with the prioritisation. So we had our media summit last week, right?
1: And yeah. we had a creative panel on there and Steve Cole got up there and was sort of talking about where he sees digital and data and the role of agencies going forward. And one of the things he said was data will be at the heart of what agencies do. It'll be the, at yeah. the heart of the creative process going forward. Do you sort of see that being where agencies will be in the future? And if so, I mean, how do you build an agency around that? How do you?
2: No, I, I reckon uh, Rachel will let that out. The good yeah. agencies are there now. It's certainly where we're at. The whole thing hubs around data. It's the insights you can get and the understanding you can get of what your audiences are or are not interacting with your content and what the kind of experience they're choosing to have gives you that springboard to determine where you need to apply your effort, where you can maximise your impact, and where we need to be innovating and evolving yeah. um, beyond where we're at today.
3: It both drives the actual insight, but then it also drives the creative tools to respond to that insight in a way that is personalized and contextual and, you know, kind of magical for the particular moment. A lot of the work that we've done um, together on the Google app has been um, taking on board the insight of what people will be searching for in a particular place or at a particular time when something special is happening around us, and then quickly instantly uh, channeling that into the creative, both in mobile, and we've done it in out-of-home as well, where we've been able to reflect like a zeitgeist moment straight away. And people love it. You know, people really enjoy feeling like ads are part of the story of what's going on around them.
2: There's a really interesting balance in that, isn't there, that we've talked about quite a lot, which is this, done badly, data can enable you to stalk people. Internet. And that's the fear. I think oh, that's the thing the industry
1: has to kind of work against it's not well. a like good. Smoking. It's not a good
2: user experience. And, and people see brands just sort of stalking them with sort of messages going, bye, bye, bye. <laughs> but when it's done really well, it creates a beautiful, wonderful experience. And things like, you know, the reactions we were getting to some of those ads where we were pushing them out, just like the, we had the super site around Flinders Street Station. Yeah. And... <clears throat> Thinking of data in its broadest sense as well is important. The Melbourne Cup had just run. A German horse had won the Melbourne Cup, and within 20 minutes we had ads on the super sites, the digital outdoor sites. Okay, Google, how do you say you beauty in German? And it's just like, it's clever. It's, 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 it's witty, it's got personality, and it expresses what Google's all about, and beautifully expresses what the Google products, the Google search app can provide you with which nice like, execution is very
1: simple but behind that it's kind of taking in a lot of complexity but it kind of did, I think the the beauty of it is like when you when something's going really well you don't even notice it's there yeah. so that's I think right. that's the thing yeah. with data It's kind of if you can see the path of where that data came from what it's trying to achieve and it's it's very kind of obvious I think that's when it becomes a bit negative and stalky but if you can kind of make the creative sort of beautiful in its execution and it's almost seamless how it happens that people don't even realise that there's yeah. a kind of Data complex technology and, engine behind it,
3: and they show you that they're interested because um, they engage more, and mm-hmm. we saw um, much higher engagement on those kind of contextual mm-hmm. ads than than um, our norms on double click. So, I think something that we have quite a lot of conversations about with um, whether it's with media agencies,
1: with creatives, with clients is um, is looking at mobile and talking about how how much time people are spending on mobile, but there's often still a lot of kind of criticism about the the kind of the quality of creative on that screen and that it doesn't it doesn't sort of deliver or live up to to what either the consumer wants or what the the creative wants to do I mean how, what do you what do you sort of think about that because it's a common criticism that we hear is that you spend so much time on mobile but both spend and creative doesn't live up to it
2: can I have a bit of a rant? Sure. Go <laughs> <Sure. laughs> So, something that I've been banging on a bit about recently is this notion of system thinking. What we're talking about here is, is ecosystems. And there's many, many, many touch points in this ecosystem. And there are many, many executions across that whole um, system. When we're thinking as a creative agency, you have to think differently. You're not thinking about an ad or two or three ads that make up a campaign. You might be thinking of 1,000 or 2,000 executions that exist in this ecosystem that's going to surround our audience during the period that we're in market. You've got to have that tied together with a really strong idea. Now, the notion of that kind of idea is very different in some respects to what we refer to as a traditional idea, but it's very similar in so many others. It's got to be strong it's got to be elastic so that it can extend seamlessly across all these many, many executions so they all feel part of one campaign and every interaction is building on what you've seen to date. So that the sum is greater than the parts of the whole. And that that's a big shift. That's and not a big simple shift. Either.
1: It's it's not easy to get your it. No,
2: it's not. It's not. And that's why, I don't know if it's the right word or not, but this notion of system thinking sort of makes sense to me at the moment. I'll probably change my mind in a couple of weeks, but <laughs> at this point in time, I'm calling it system thinking.
1: And you think that there should be more system thinking or less? I think there should thinking? be
2: more. I think, that's, I think that's what a big idea is now. It's a, it's, a, it's a sort of comms ecosystem that you're creating, anchored by one core, core thought. That's what a modern big idea is.
3: I guess, from my from point of view, I just think... The screen is smaller on a mobile. That's the only way it's lesser than a bigger screen. If you said to a creative, okay, you're going to have a small screen, however, you'll get time of day and location mm. and context and Movement, you know, like actual position in relation to the consumption of the message, how can that not create a more rich palette to create an ad from? I just think people aren't thinking hard enough if they think the creative opportunity is lesser on a mobile. It's, it's simply not. The, the screen size is smaller, but the opportunity to create richness and meaning is so much bigger. Mm.
2: And, and a lot of advertising is in-app banner advertising. Mm. That's, not, that's not the limit of mobile. The thing that's brilliant about the mobile device now is the speed you can download, rich view rich content. I watch a, a video on here; it happens instantly. And for those listening to the podcast, I'm holding and pointing a lot at the moment. You have a face <laughs> made the <for> radio. <laughs> Jules. Thanks, thanks, Gary. full <laughs> <Well>, of <a> compliments. <laughs> but it's that used to be the major barrier. The barrier was that I remember you know, going back to the olden days of digital, where we had the sort of the walled gardens and all that. You, you went in you had to press the I'm not even going to name the brand. I'm not going to name <laughs> <laughs> But it's a lot better now. <laughs> and you can do cool stuff easily. That's what... I like to think the industry generally understands that, but it sounds like there may be some. Do you think potential of
1: that cool mobile stuff going on, like from? No, no you you're, you're right. There, there the is. Isn't,
2: isn't. and I'm delighted that the rest of the industry hasn't quite caught on to this because it creates a massive competitive advantage <laughs> for, <laughs> for us. So long may they be laggards.
1: <laughs> well, you know, a, you know, a rising tide lifts all. Hopefully, lifts the 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 lifts the others yes, As they hard. say, Yeah. <laughs> Kind of moving on from some of those those sort of big broad topics about kind of what mobile does more digital does, keeping on a kind of technology bent. We were we were going to sort of um, get you guys to talk a bit about virtual reality, which obviously Google has a has a big interest in, and a lot of agencies are doing stuff with. So the the kind of most recent example of a of a brand and agencies paying in virtual reality. Is Maya and eBay um, mm. last week launched a kind of virtual department store and they're kind of saying it's a it's a world first and you can sort of shop the shop the Maya lines through the, the kind of virtual headset and you you know you can put things in your basket, you can you can you know just be immersed in it. You have to then go back to the traditional web platform to make purchases, so it's not completely, you know, end end to end sort of shop into commerce through VR. But... It's a really interesting, you know, way of playing with that. And I think there's a lot of brands going into VR. What do you kind of, what do you see as the, the possibilities for what virtual reality can bring to brands?
0: Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com.
1: and is it gonna be the future
3: that some people think that it is Oh I think it's gonna be super exciting I think that the key challenge will be a, a classic comms planning challenge of where do you use each creative opportunity and what trade-offs do you make between scale and you know kind of being able to reach lots of people with the message and the powerful immersive experience that you can create and the answer will be, Different at each point in the customer journey for each brand, but even just thinking about Google's ecosystem, we we have we launched um, 360 degree video on um, YouTube, which allows you to create, you know, fantastic immersive experiences. But if you view those experiences in a VR viewer like in Google Cardboard, you get a you get an even more immersive a virtual reality experience of that. Um, And then we've just had our um, IO developer conference as well and we've announced um, the um, creation of our whole platform um, for virtual reality, which is called Daydream, which uh, we're working on and announced that just at IO. And that's more of an ecosystem um, play to enable higher quality virtual reality uh, experiences on mobile. So Google Cardboard has been all about taking a, a simple and delightful experience of virtual reality to as many people as and possible. And it's an amazing way to kind of dabble
1: in that and trial it without it being a huge huge development cost or mm-hmm. kind of there being that barrier Absolutely, to it. yeah.
3: And there have been some really fun things that um, what brands have done um, with Google Cardboard. Telstra did the New Year's Eve app that you could view in Google Cardboard. It was cool. Uh, but... I think there is still an opportunity to create a more high fidelity version of that experience and lots of brands will be interested in that. So I'm excited to see where Daydream goes. Um, Daydream is about the whole ecosystem. So it's about the the hardware and the viewer, the software platform um, on Android on the next release and um, also about the apps as well. So actually being able to create the content to view in that space.
1: Because we are still
3: very much at the early
1: days of kind of VR. I mean, I think probably for the last 10 or 20 years, VR has been the next big thing, but we're probably the closest that we've been to that. But it's still very early days. So I'm kind of, you know, looking at all the kind of VR things that brands do and looking at the opportunities and things people are trying. But do you think that we're at the stage where it's still, it's a bit of a kind of faddy thing to try that isn't quite yet sort of delivering results, but almost that doesn't matter because it's about trying
2: it? Well, there's a fairly well-proven path that that new technologies go along, and you see it with every new social platform that that comes about. And there is benefit in there's there's the first mover advantage, where what you're creating, you will get profile publicity and, and engagement because it's novel. Then you'll get a number of people that will follow on with novel ideas and people get bored of novel because novel isn't necessarily useful. The, as the sort of the, the environment, the product uh, matures, it's a case of going, well, hang on, if we, people are going to genuinely engage this, we've got to find a way for it to be useful. And it's something we've been doing a lot of work on at the agency, that we're working with a, with an awesome band at the moment on doing a, a music video, a VR music video, um, which is an experimental project, like it's a whole new way of creating a story. It's
3: breaking your brains a bit. You were talking it, it,
2: to me just how you, it's
3: not linear more no, Storytelling. I got another buzzword too. <laughs> <split of> that <laughs> it's up <laughs> it
2: was like we were talking about what is what does VR bring? And ten years ago, experiential was that was sort of in the hot seat. Experiential was brilliant because people could engage with brands, and it cost loads of money. And twelve people came to the event, and they didn't know the problem. <laughs> But what VR actually does is it gives us the ability to do experiential at scale. It's scalable experiential, yeah, yeah. is one view from a marketing perspective. But I think the, the, when it matures, what will happen is people will focus on experiences that you couldn't have if you didn't, because you can't be there. Or it's, it's too dangerous to be there. Or you, it gives you access to things you couldn't otherwise have. And once you've got to that, then how do you tell that story? Because there's this, the whole point of the VR experience is the user's in control of what experience and when you're a brand,
1: just for the audio, Jules is is doing actually wearing a VR headset,
2: just moving around in my VR world. And you're telling a story, you're creating a story where the, the viewer is the agent. Yet, as the brand, you want to give them a certain kind of experience. You're trying to tell them a story. So, how do you tell a story where they decide what happens? And there's, oh, a, there's a fair bit of complexity in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and competing
3: y- viewpoints. However, um, the degree to which you hand over control is the degree to which the the um, viewer will find it engaging. So you want to strike that balance. Yeah. I mean, you ultimately you've need to, to deliver you've your message as well. Got but to you, be in control. You, you've got to let them leave because that's what will make them find it magical, and that's
1: why you're doing it in the first place. And that kind of plays into almost every other aspect of marketing that brands aren't in control anymore of what what they do. They have to kind of admit that. They've handed over the control and the power of their brands. To well, thing
2: you guide, you can't control Yeah. And this is a case in point. I,
3: yeah, I think you, you kind of create for any experience that your target audience user wants to have with you, and you manage the creation of that experience, but you have to create for all of those various different facets, basically. Yes. Yeah. Wow. It's going to be complicated, <laughs> isn't it? It is complicated,
1: but it is also fascinating. So totally. how do you figure that out? But, I mean, with, with VR, how... I'm a bit of a sceptic, personally, on VR, I've kind of, you know, I've... I've Why are you a
2: sceptic? Are you a sceptic on the whole well, notion of VR? Well, because I'm what's being done British and a
1: journalist, so I have to be kind of sceptical about <laughs> most things, but I'm just, I, I believe in the, the opportunities and the possibilities, and I think it's amazing technology and the experience that you get is amazing, I just, I don't believe that everyone will have a headset, everyone will want to be doing that, and that's the way that, like a, a mainstream kind of channel. Just, I just. I completely agree. Like, we talk
3: about VR so often, but the amount of conversations I've had with my mother, for example, about VR, zero. Like, would she know VR yeah, exists? That's right. Probably not. But no. that's totally what I mean about um, considering the appropriate uh, place in the journey for such an immersive experience yeah. and why something like 360 video on YouTube is an interesting. Simpler version of immersion. That's a gateway do- job yeah. to VR, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you can take it to the the, the full, the, you know, the whole shebang under certain contexts, like maybe at you know at a demo or in a physical um, space where you can actually give them the the headset or where you've previously handed them out. There are all ways to think about that, but um, one thinks there is not so much opportunity if you try and apply it at all at, at the wrong touch point basically yeah. and and don't consider it for where it would be most potent and only worth creating the experience for there that's the I mean there, there is always an argument as to what brands VR sort
1: of works for so yeah. obviously the travel industry and the automotive industry are yeah. early adopters because it fits really well but I mean the, the chances of me putting on my VR headset and like mopping the floors well, or floor a you...
3: cleaner or something aren't <laughs> yeah, right. that high.
2: Yeah. <laughs> we've we, we probably got to be honest and accept that the current headsets are maybe not the future. Like they're a journey to what will be a much better future. There is something decidedly odd at times about putting, and half the videos you see on YouTube are of watching people in VR. <laughs> <a lot. laughs> it's, a, it's a massive technological leap that we've made to get to that. Mm-hmm. And now the user experience will start to improve. And before we know it, it'll just be. Sewn into our eyeballs or something, or they become eyes. Yeah, yeah, that,
3: that's what um, was really interesting with the daydream stuff because I think the experience will be so much more seamless when the whole ecosystem is um, operating together and all the friction is removed. And then things like the you know improved frame rates and yeah. all, a whole bunch of other technical things will just make it feel um, you're
2: actually. So are we going to go through virtual reality all the way back to reality?
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it will just be in reality. <laughs> That's a very yeah,
1: big existential yeah. <laughs> we had another few comments at our media summit last week and in some other conversations that I've had and have quite a lot about the balance of short-term tactical and and long-term kind of brand building. And I think that the the whole digital debate around this is quite interesting because mm-hmm. Jason Dorris from Atomic 212 said that they're noticing a shift in where clients are investing their money into doing more brand building stuff because the economy is looking a bit sort of rocky over the next kind of couple of years. And so because over the last two years, people have invested a lot in kind of tactical and digital, driving that direct return on investment that you can measure, see the results and say, this activity drove X number of sales. And so everyone's kind of focused on that. But there's a kind of a realisation that because of that focus, kind of brand building and brand values and brand sort of measures are dropping off. So there's almost a switch back to that. So I'm just kind of interested in your perspective, what you're seeing from clients, and where the, where that debate really lies. Because you can't just do one or the other, but where's the kind of emphasis? And are you seeing similar trends?
2: There always has to be a blend of brand building and direct response. The two are not mutually um, exclusive. And if, you, if you're only um, doing uh, awareness communications without any conversion drivers, you will get so far. If you're purely harvesting without building awareness, your funnel will dry up. So you've got to get the, the two right. It's the mix of the two that can be challenging. Like that's, you know, art and science. Science will get you so far, but there's going to be dependencies like what your creative is. We've certainly in the past run brand ads, brand ads, inverted commas, that have had massive direct response. Like a good ad, a good ad, a good piece of connect, a creative connects with the audience and if you've got the right message, they will respond to it. It does it its is, job. It's right. back to the basics. I feel quite strongly about this point that brand and response don't need to be as separate as they often are in people's minds. Yeah. Branded response or retail, which is communications. That's another great <laughs> word. <buzzword. laughs> <No, I'm sorry. laughs>
1: I couldn't.
3: Oh, I'm sorry. I tried to. I love it. Retail. <laughs> we love a portmanteau
2: um, here. <laughs> the. Um, I was trying to say something clever Uh, (laughs) branded response you you can you can can shift you can drive response and build brand at the same time it's totally possible and again it's back to thinking it's good creative good creative does that
1: that's often a hard it's a hard conversation to have marketers find themselves having that conversation with the boards and the financial directors to, to kind of to do something that is is doesn't have a direct ROI, you, if you, yeah. not really articulating my question, but do, do you see what I mean in terms of, we're going to do this brand ad, but and a But will... a crap
2: brand ad won't give you good results, so you can you can measure it or not measure it, but if it's a, if it's a crap piece of creative, it won't shift behaviours, and that, again, being lazy, whatever channel you put it in, it doesn't matter what you put it, if it's not good, it won't drive results. The reality yeah. today, back to the system thinking, there's going to be a lot of executions, but tied together by one idea mm. and some will be more response drivers some will be more brand oriented
3: mm.
1: brilliant well thank you so much for um for coming in today and taking the the time I hope that you enjoyed enjoyed that we yeah will, um, thanks for having
3: us for a chat no
1: no <laughs> we will um hopefully see you again soon thank, thank you thank so you. much cool Bye.